Well, guys, it's, it's me again. <laughs> um, some of you might be here and you're thinking, I've been to this church for quite a while and I don't remember seeing you. Well, it's because I, I do a lot with the children's recently. Anyhow, I, uh, I, don't get to, I don't get to come to church much. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be with you all. My name is Ben. I'm one of the associate pastors here. I'm, I'm just excited to be on the team um, and uh, working for what God wants to do here at Cross Point. So this morning, though, I believe there are no accidents. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why we're here together. And you might be disappointed because I'm not Pastor Bud, and that's okay. I love Pastor Bud. He's a powerful speaker. But I believe God has a reason for you and I to be here this morning. And if you're willing, if you're open, it may be, in fact, I believe that God wants to change your life this morning. God wants to transform you. And that God has a reason and a purpose for us to be here together this morning. Are you, are you willing to, to give it a try? Nod your head or, yeah, some of you spoke out loud in church just now. <laughs> great job. Oh, that's great. Well, let's pray. Can we start by praying? Bow your heads, close your eyes with me. Take a moment. If you haven't done so already, just ask the Lord if there's anything in your life, if there's a stress or a concern, would you just offer it up to the Lord? Spirit of God, we ask you to speak to us now through your word. Lord, I pray that my words would fall away, but your word would remain. And it would be about what you are saying, Lord, far more than about what I am saying. Lord, would you allow me to simply be your conduit? Would you speak through your word, through your spirit? We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to lead us, to shape us, to do all you want to do in us, in the name of of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So this morning, the message that I've been given to share with you is on, well, the title is The Fake and the Furious. We're going to talk this morning about the fake and the furious. And the reason why is because, Pastor Bud, we've been going through Ephesians as a church together, haven't we? And we've been going through Ephesians chapter 4. And Ephesians is an amazing book. It's a letter that a guy named Paul writes to these new believers in a place called Ephesus. And he writes to these believers. And honestly, guys, do you remember, you ever seen like a circus? Maybe some of you older folks, you remember this used to be the case. Now there's like OSHA and there's all these safety rules and things. But if you went to the circus, they would have these massive elephants and they would be tethered to the ground they'd have like one leg shackled and that shackle is attached to simply a stake in the ground do you remember seeing this i remember seeing it it was in dumbo so you know it's for real and uh but what they would do is when these when these elephants were babies they would they would shackle their little leg to a stake and they would nail that stake in the ground 
And these baby elephants, they couldn't move that stake in the ground. They couldn't get away. And so they began to be tethered and they grew up with their stake, with their leg attached to a stake that was nailed into the ground. And these elephants got bigger. They got stronger. But even as massive, incredibly strong elephants, they stayed tethered to wherever that stake was because they understood that they could not move this stake. When I was in India, elephants are like the dominant species in India. Elephants can get anywhere they want. If you live in a concrete house, they can knock that house over and get your whatever food they're looking for. They do this all the time there. Elephants are vastly powerful creatures. But even these elephants believed that they couldn't move this because this was what was true when they were younger. And so Ephesians is written, Paul is writing to a group of people that don't understand that what was true before is no longer true now. And that's the point. That's what Ephesians is talking about. He's saying, guys, there's a much bigger picture going on. And when you give your life to Jesus, this is what God does. You're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You have a power that you know nothing about. Ephesians is about a bigger picture. You are fully strong, powerful elephants. <laughs> I kind of called you an elephant just now, but... <laughs> In a metaphorical sense, right? You have more power at your disposal than you could ever imagine because you're in Christ. That is what Paul is writing about. That's what he's saying. And he starts out these first three chapters. He's talking about these huge, ginormous, celestial truths that are powerful. And then he begins to narrow it down. In chapter 4, he talks about the church, the purpose of the church. And Pastor Bud has been leading us through this. And the purpose of the church. And, and one of the amazing things is, have you ever wished that Jesus was here, like walking around on this earth? I know I have. I mean, it would be so cool and so easy to just point people to Jesus. If he was just walking around and he could heal them, he could do whatever. And he could be Jesus here on this earth but in Ephesians 4, it actually shows us the purpose for the church is that we would grow to maturity, right? That we would grow to maturity to the full stature of the body of Christ. He actually says in this passage, if you don't believe me, open it up and read chapter 4. Just read it. We're actually supposed to be Jesus. We're supposed to be his replacement here on this earth. Chapter 4, if I were to retitle it, I would retitle it The Power of All of Us. Because with the Spirit of God, you and I, we are supposed to grow and mature to the point that we as a church, we measure up to the power of Christ, the immaturity, the effectiveness of Christ. We're actually supposed to be like Jesus. And so when everybody, we're, we're trying to point people to Jesus, we say, yeah, be like me because I'm like Christ. Isn't that amazing? 
So here he is. He's talking about all these things. And Pastor Bud, last, the last couple of weeks, he's talked about putting off and putting on. Do you remember? Nod your head if you've been with us. If you haven't, the, the messages are online. That's how I listen to the messages because I'm usually out, out there serving with the kids. But I listen online and it's awesome. It's great during the week to hear what God has said and hear it again. So I listen online and I've been listening to putting off and putting on, right? Putting off the old nature. Putting on the new nature. We talked about learning Christ and learning from Christ. And this, what happens when you give your life to Jesus? So let's continue reading. Chapter 4, verses 25, 26, and 27 is what we're going to cover this morning. So in this context, Paul writes and he continues. Hmm. says in verse 25. So, why does he say so? Because he's talking about putting away the old things, the way that you used to be, and putting on the new power, the new life of Christ, the new things. And so he says, so, put away all falsehood and tell your neighbor the truth. Because we belong to each other. Another translation might say, stop lying. Speak the truth to one another. Then he continues... And don't sin by letting anger gain control over you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. These are the simple two passages we want to cover this morning. Two commands. Stop lying. Don't sin in anger. These are two things that Paul talks about. And he's talking about putting off the old the way you used to live, and putting on the new, the life of Christ living through you. Why do you think he starts with lying? Why do you think he starts? Because we're about to go through a list of very practical, important things that Paul is saying, this is what God wants us to live. Why do you think he starts with lying? Well, isn't everything that God has revealed to us rooted in truth? God himself is truth. That's why God can't lie. <laughs> it's because he's the maker of reality, so whatever he says is real is, is real. And so here's the God of the universe who loves you and I. And he has revealed himself to you and I so that you and I can be in a correct and right and flourishing relationship with him. In truth. In reality. And so to lie is to completely miss the truth of what God is. It's got to be rooted in truth. Your lives and my life has to be rooted in truth. The truth of who God is. And the truth of who he made you to be. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, I don't have a problem with lying. I don't often lie to others. And good for you. I'm glad. But I wonder, because I thought about this. I've been thinking and praying over these 
couple verses for a couple of weeks now. And I immediately thought, well, this is no big deal because nobody lies around here. (laughs) Right? We're all followers of Jesus. We don't tell lies. And then I started thinking, you know, we just had tax season. (laughs) It gets really tempting, doesn't it? To just, you know, not claim this or to claim this or, you know, not to, you know, file this. And you know what I began to realize? Whenever I'm tempted to lie, it's because I'm not believing that God is enough. I don't believe he's going to provide. I don't believe he's going to take care of me in this situation. Whenever I'm tempted to lie, it's because I'm... I'm living in the flesh. I'm thinking like a normal human. I'm thinking like a baby elephant. And God is calling you and I to live in Christ. To be transformed into that new creation that he's called us to be. Stop lying is a very simple command. But it's not so easy, is it? Because in order to stop lying, we have to actually believe that there's a God. We have to actually believe that it's a God, he's a God who loves us and who's going to care for us. We have to actually believe that my God will supply all that I need. We have to actually believe that God will give us justice. We have to actually believe that God is working in ways that we may not see or understand. And we have to be okay with that. You see, in order to stop lying, we have to be rooted in the truth of who God is and who Jesus is and who we are in Christ. But this, as I was thinking about this, as I was reflecting and praying over this command to stop lying, I began to think about, you know what? I do lie. There are lies that I tell myself. How about you? I'm going to list off a few lies that I know people are believing. Baby elephant sort of scenarios where you don't realize reality has changed. What used to be true is no longer true if you've given your life to Jesus. Lies like, I'm unworthy. I'm not good enough. I'm not a good mom. I'm not a good dad. I'm a failure. (laughs) How many times do I tell that to myself? You know, it it could be something as dumb as like, have you ever been in this scenario where like somebody waves at you and you like wave at them and then you realize they weren't waving at you but the person behind you? That happens to be all the time. I don't know why, but I just assume everybody's waving to me, I guess. And, and, you know, it's just one of those things. And I walk away and I'm like, oh, I'm such an idiot. Do you hear what I just said to myself? How about you? One thing is I began to listen to God and hear from him. He's much more gentle with me than I am myself. This whole Jesus thing, you know what? Christians are much more harder on you than Jesus is. Isn't that funny? (laughs) The Spirit of God is so gentle 
and so loving that even as he's convicting you of sin and inspiring you to change and repent and to transform your life, he's doing it in a loving, gentle way. Every encounter I've had with Jesus and his spirit has been so saturated in grace and love. I could tell you story after story. But one of the things that rocks me to my core is how gentle and loving the Spirit of God is. And here I am, I'm so hard on myself. If I can be honest with you, I see failure in my life all the time. And I can belittle myself all the time. And when you're lying to yourself, where is the truth of God in that? If you're telling yourself things like I'm unworthy or I'm a horrible mom or I'm a horrible wife or I'm these things that are negative and bad about you, how does that measure up with the command that Paul is giving us, God through Paul is giving us to stop lying? You are a fierce and powerful, mighty elephant of a human who has more power than you could ever imagine. Stop lying. Stop lying. Speak the truth to one another is the second part of that command. Stop lying and speak the truth. Speak the truth. Can I, can I open up and share something with you? And you know, Some of you know Nicole and I and our three children, we went to India about five years ago and we were just we wanted to share Jesus with those who had never heard before. We knew God had called us to go. And to stay, we felt like would be disobeying. And so we went to Bihar, India, which is a state of 100 million people living in a state geographically about the size of Northern California if you cut it off at Sacramento and went north. It's about that same size geographically. 100 million people live in there. 0.05% Christian. 0.05%. Not even a tenth of a percent Christian. It's on par with Afghanistan and Somalia as the most unreached, unengaged place on earth. And 100 million people live in there. And so it was simply the numbers that drew us to India. And we wanted to serve the Lord. We wanted to do what we could. And so with our church community, we all sacrificed. We all gave up stuff. And we, we were sent. And I remember going there. Our objective was to train up locals to share Jesus with the Muslims around them. We wanted to train up Christians, non-Christians, whoever. We wanted to train them up to be fully devoted followers of Jesus who are making disciples who also make disciples among Muslim families. And so that's... What we began to do, and, and so we were learning the language, we were doing all these different things, and I kept holding on to the promises of God, I kept trusting, and I knew that God was going to raise up 12 national partners for us to work with. I knew somehow he was going to do it. 12 was my goal, and I knew that God would do it somehow. And I remember I was sitting in this, uh, it's called BSNL. <laughs> BSNL is, is like this government internet place. It's kind of like the worst DMV you've ever seen. Mold on the walls, it's dank, it's dark, it's just nasty. There's open sewage in the streets and there's just, it's, it's disgusting. 
And I'm sitting in there, and I'm waiting my turn, and it's hot. It's over 100 degrees and like 90% humidity, and it's sticky and sweaty. And there's like just people all over the place. And I'm sitting there, and I'm about to freak out. I'm about to lose my temper, which is the next part of the message we'll get to in a second. And I just, it was a red flag to me. I was about to lose my, my temper. And I began to pray. That's kind of what I do as a reflex to try, to try to not sin in anger, you know. And so I started praying for the guys around me. I started praying for this guy and that guy. And I started quote, quoting scripture. And, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me. And uh, yeah, God actually speaks. And he'll speak to you too if you actually listen. And he said, you know, I could, I could give you a national partner right here in this place. And it came in the effect of, it was like a thought that came to my mind out of nowhere as I was just praying and hearing from God. I could give you a national partner right here, right now. And I said, of course you could, Lord. I know you can. Ten seconds later, a man walks up to me and he says, hi, are you a pastor? He was an Indian man. I said, well, I, I was a pastor. Now I'm I'm something else, but why do you ask? And he's like, well, I, uh, I'm looking for a pastor. I'm looking for somebody to work with. I'm looking for somebody to serve Jesus with. What? I was like, what? Huh? And here was this guy. His name was Sanjay. And he and I hit it off. And it was one of those things. I really, it was God speaking and God working. In the midst of being frustrated and praying in the midst of that, and I really believe that God had given me this relationship, this first national partner to work with. And so for eight months, we worked together. We partnered together. We went to different places. We, we prayed. We had many adventures together. But what began to set in was some red flags. I began to, something not sitting well in my spirit with this guy. And I couldn't put my finger on it. But I kept going back to, Lord, you brought us together. You know, you, you, you said, I can give you a national partner here in the BSNL office. And so I was trusting that. It turned out, some stuff came out that Sanjay, to this date, is the worst human being I've ever met in my life. He's a man who uses the name of Jesus to get money and abuse children all over India. And this is what he does. And when this came out, we were able to put a stop to it, but truly, we were not able to, to get him convicted and put him behind bars where he belongs. And it was one of those crushing things. And I remember through it all, as we went through that experience, Asking the Lord, what in the world? What was that about? You see, I felt betrayed. Not by Sanjay. I felt betrayed by God. Is that okay for me to admit to you guys? Here we were sticking our neck out living in India. We were doing this for the Lord to reach people that he wanted us to reach. And I began to, to just doubt. Lord, what did I miss? And all of a sudden, 
my relationship with God, which was always so special and always so close and unique, it began to be something that I doubted and struggled with. And the lie that I used to believe is that I'm not special to God. He must not care. And I, can I confess, am I allowed to say such things? That I went through this and, and I felt betrayed by the God of the universe. And I was struggling. And I was lying to myself. And we do that all the time. I don't know what your situation is. What you have been through that, that leads you to the conclusion, God must not care. God must not be powerful enough. Whatever that lie is, I want to give you this encouragement. That God loves you and he really is working all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. His will, not my will. It was my will that I had 12 guys. It was God's will that we ended up with three. At this point, we have three guys. And they're working hard. They're men of integrity. Men who actually love Jesus, who I can trust. In a few weeks, I'm going to go see him again. And it'll be like this reunion of brothers. And they're serving Jesus. And God is working. And it's not according to my will, but it's according to his will. And sometimes in life, you, the train wrecks and you have a shambles of what your plans and your hopes and your dreams were. And it's in that where we're tempted to lie to ourselves. And we hear the lies that God doesn't care. He's not real. He's not doing anything. And that's when we hold on to the truth and we speak the truth to one another. I love the Gospel of John and how the Apostle John refers to himself. How does he refer to himself in the Gospel of John? The disciple that Jesus loved. When I first, you know, I was a kid, you know, I would read that and I'd be like, this guy seems like a snob. <laughs> you know, he's like, he, he refers to Peter, he refers to James, he refers to these other people, and he's like, and then the disciple that Jesus loved was also there. And I'm like, if somebody did that, you know, we would kind of think, who does this person, you know, think he is? Get off your high horse. But after the Sanjay situation, I began to see that differently. You see, I think John was onto something. I think he spoke the truth, not only to others, but to himself. Who was he? He was not John. He had a special, unique connection with the God of the universe. He, more than anything else, the reality in his life was not that he was John. The reality in his life is he is the one Jesus loves. And it's taken time for me to believe that. And I'm still believing it more and more that who am I? I'm the one that Jesus loves. I'm the one that he's broken and beat up and restored 
and saved. I'm the one he cares about. I'm the one he's cried over and sung over and rejoiced with. I'm the one Jesus loves. That's who I am. And speaking the truth to one another is a command. Speaking the truth to yourself. Who are you? You're no longer a slave. You're a child of God. You're no longer a slave to sin, to lying, to whatever. You are a child of God. You're the one Jesus loves. You might be sitting here this morning and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never actually believed. You might be searching or seeking. Maybe you're listening on the radio right now or the internet and you have never really believed because you never felt like God had this special connection with you. And I'm saying, guys, in Ephesians, we see the God of the universe on a massive scale who loves us and has called us to be his. That is who we are. And we have a massive job to do. We are his representation. So if you're here or you're listening and you don't know what to do, how do I begin this relationship with Jesus? It's simple. First, you understand that there's brokenness in you. You've, you've sinned. The Bible says we've all turned from God. And there's not one of us here that can say, no, I'm perfect. I've never sinned. I've never done anything wrong. Our own hearts condemn us. We know that we've done things that we shouldn't have done. And you might look like a really good person compared to the person sitting next to you. But the truth is, there's not one of us that is pure and holy before God. Not one human ever except for Jesus. Jesus, God in human form, became one of us. Lived perfectly and pure before God. And so we, in Christ, are perfect and holy before God. Jesus died on the cross to pay my sin and yours. And he rose again, giving us the resurrection and the promise of life forevermore, taking out the sting of death, taking out the victory of the grave, and giving us life. Death is no longer the end. Jesus said, whoever believes in me will live even if he dies. That's the truth. The truth is, I should be in that fire. I deserve hell. I do. And so do you. But because of Jesus, the truth is anyone who is in Christ is pure, is holy, has the spirit of God and the guarantee of salvation. If you've not given your life to Jesus this morning, let it be now. Let it be today. But for those of you who've given your life to Jesus, don't live as a baby elephant. A little tiny stake keeping you in bondage. You are so much more. You are in Christ. And then he goes on to say, don't sin through anger. A lot of people interpret this verse as be angry and yet do not sin. And that's a an actual way that you can translate this verse. But a lot of people use this verse as an excuse to say, well, I'm just an angry person. And I'm allowed to be angry because God's word says be angry, but don't sin. I really believe that's a misrepresentation of what this passage is saying. 
You see, the Bible talks a lot about anger. It talks about God's anger, and it talks about humans' anger. And guess what? In James chapter 1, it says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry, because the anger of man never achieves the righteousness of God. Proverbs has warning after warning against people who are angry. And so here he is in Ephesians talking to these people who are fastened and shackled to this tiny little bondage, thinking that they're prisoners to this. He's saying, you are so much more. Don't sin by letting anger get the best of you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Because anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. I know people here in this congregation, and God bless you, I love you. But you've believed a lie. That, that you have to just stay angry. That anger is an issue you're always going to have. Because you've always struggled with it. I've had conversations like this with some of you. You think I'm... I've always been angry, I'll, I'll always be angry. What are we just saying? That's a baby elephant right there growing into a massive giant elephant stuck to a tiny pole nailed to the ground. Your life is meant for more. Your relationship with Christ is meant for more. You, I'm promising you, are free of anger. God has called you and me to be free of anger. How do we do it? How? Well, he gives us a, a command right there. Don't let the sun go down while you're angry. When you are angry, maybe it's at your spouse or your kids or whatever, take care of it right then. Forgive right then. Don't let it build up. I was talking with a friend of mine this week who went through a divorce and he's like, I don't know how this happened. And I said, I know exactly how this happened. I know exactly, because honestly, I think my wife and I, we have an amazing relationship, a great marriage, but the day that we stop forgiving is the day we decide to step on that road towards divorce. The day we stop forgiving is the day we head that direction. You see, when you let the sun go down in your anger and you still hold on to it, you're giving a mighty foothold to the devil. God has called you to more. God's best for you is not an angry life. God's best for you is not a short temper. Do you hear what I'm saying? These are one of the lies that we believe. Stop lying. Stop being angry. God would not give us this command if he did not give us the means by which to obey. God's desire for you and I is not anger. So if you think you're allowed to be angry because it says be angry and yet do not sin, I want to say, rethink that. I believe a correct interpretation of that says do not sin in anger. Do not let anger lead you to sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sin, anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. So what do we do? How do we overcome this? 
I've got three simple steps. Are you with me? Number one is see the red flags. Everybody say that with me. See the red flags. Write it down. If you've got, there's a little thing there for notes. I hope you're writing stuff down. See the red flags. Guess what, guys? Anger is not a fruit of the Spirit. It's not love, joy, peace. Anger. <laughs> Lying. It's not in there. If you're not loving your life, something's wrong. It's a red flag. God's desire for you is joy. God's desire for you is peace. This was a powerful learning. Honestly, guys, you're going to think I'm a horrible sinner. And the truth is, that's not far from the truth. I'm a redeemed, horrible sinner who's got a powerful Savior. But it was just a few weeks ago, Nicole and I were talking. And she shared something with me that was powerful. And I don't even think she realized what it did for me. But I realized I'm unhappy. If I'm, if I'm unhappy here in this situation, in this moment now, I'm going to be unhappy there. If I'm unhappy here, I'm going to be unhappy there. Wherever there is for you, wherever that, that'll be, if you can't be happy here, and I began to realize God has already given me everything I need to be the happiest person on earth. Is that true? What if God gives you a little more? Will you be happy then? No. If you're not happy here, you're not going to be happy there. God wants you to be joyful. It's not about getting everything you want. It's about giving everything that God wants. That's where it comes from. God's desire for you is to be filled with joy, to be filled with hope, to be filled with life. So whenever you're not, let that be a red flag. It might be you're dreading going to work tomorrow. You need, you need to work some things out with the Lord. There might be lies that you're believing. There might be things that you've forgotten. You might be angry at somebody who's hurt you. And I'm not discounting what they did. I'm sure it was horrible. But that's not a requisite for forgiveness. Jesus says to forgive. And, and not be angry. A lot of times anger comes from two ways. Number one is fear. And number two, anger comes from resentment. Not forgiving. Either one of those things are not, not true about God. Because if you have a correct relationship with God, there's no fear. You don't have to worry. And the second part of that is you're forgiving everyone because you've already been forgiven. How can you not forgive? Do you understand? Am I giving you guys too much? This is an awful lot. But it's the truth. that it, I, I want you guys to be fearsome, powerful followers of Jesus and not be tied down with a tiny little stake. Anger is not a big deal to God and his power. He can, he can squash that in you. 
Anger is a red flag that something in your life is discordant with God. Lying is a red flag. See the red flags. If your life is not surrendered to Jesus, the fruit of the flesh is going to come out. Lying, anger, those things will they'll manifest. But when you're filled with God, when you're in line with him, when you're listening and obeying him, your life will be filled with the fruit of that. You'll be joyful. You'll be kind. Love, joy, peace, gentleness, patience, kindness, self-control. I heard somebody say, and it's really true, self-control isn't saying no to many things. It's saying yes to God's thing. It's saying yes to one God. That's self-control. So here we are. That's the first thing. What was it? Identify red flags, right? What are the red flags in your life? What are the signs? Like when you're angry, that's a red flag. When you're depressed, that's also a red flag. God's desire for you is not that you would be discouraged and depressed. Stop lying. Stop being angry. God has given us the power to do this. The second thing I challenge you guys to do is listen and obey. Everybody say that with me. Listen and obey. To listen and obey. You know, when I was in that, that BSNL office in India, that was, that was one of those victory moments for me. I had a lot of failures. I still have a lot of failures, especially with, with temper and things. But when I was in India, when you're hot and you're sticky and you're having to wait for an indefinite amount of time, I mean, that's a bad combination for me. And there were times I shouted at some poor little Indian person because they didn't have the flavor ice cream I wanted. <laughs> Isn't that horrible? And sometimes I had to go back and ask for forgiveness and say, I'm sorry. I was so sinful for doing that. And Jesus has redeemed me and he's called me to more than that. And I have other stories I wanted to tell you, but the point is, when you're sitting there and you sense anger and frustration, what do you do? You turn to God. Pray. I want to give you a gift. And that gift is let anger, frustration, be a reminder to go to your Savior. Let that be a reminder to pray. Let that be a red flag. Anytime you feel those emotions flooding, that's when, you, that's when you take a time out and worship God. That's when you take a time out and, and commune with God. God's will for you is not to shout at your wife or your kids. And I'm not saying that I'm perfect or anything. I hope you're getting that. But let that emotion be a reminder of, of a bigger thing. Of, that you're more than that. God created you to be more than that. Listen and obey God. You do that through spending time in his word. You do that through spending time singing. Through filling your life with things that connect you with God. So how are you going to obey that? How are you going to do that? That's up to you. The last thing I want to ask you to do is speak the truth to yourself and others. Let's say that with me. Speak the truth to yourself and others. Speak the truth to yourself and others. What that means 
It, it could be the gospel. You could be sharing Jesus with somebody. Or it could simply mean you are loved by God. You might be looking in the mirror and need to say, you're the disciple Jesus loves. You might, you might need to speak the truth to yourself. I catch myself sometimes saying, oh, you're such an idiot. And then think, oh, you're such a redeemed idiot who's loved by God and who's so much more. You know what I mean? Speak the truth to yourself and others. You see somebody saying, oh, I'm a horrible mom. Nope. You're a mom who's trying her best, who God is working through. Okay? That's a little insight into next week. All right? Speak the truth to yourself and others. Now, guys, these are three general suggestions from me. God's commands are not suggestions. How, what's your plan? How are you going to obey this this week? How are you going to stop lying? How are you going to start telling the truth? How are you going to allow God to redeem you and, and break you of anger? We're going to have a moment in just a few minutes, like two minutes. The worship team is going to come up and they're going to play. They're going to give us an opportunity to, to repent. It might be you're sitting here and you're in a place where, honestly, if, if you're... If you're going to say the truth, you've had a lot of anger. I would like to invite you to come forward and just bow down before the Lord and say, God, here's a new start. Here's a fresh way. I'm going to give this over to you. I want you to wash me of my anger. I want you to fill me with something better. Fill me with your spirit. One of the ways you break free of harmful cycles and habits is repenting and confessing. That's what this altar is for, these steps. So if, if anger has marked your life, that's not God's best for you. Come forward. Seek help. One of the best ways to be redeemed and, and saved and gain victory over things you've struggled with for years is to bring people in on it. To bring not just your savior. Don't try to handle this alone. Talk to somebody and say, hey, God's convicted me this morning. I don't want to be an angry person anymore. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? That's what we as a church want to be. We want to help each other. We want to bear each other's burdens. Help each other grow. You're going to receive grace. But we're not going to just leave you there in your muck and your sin. We're going to help you grow. And then we want to help you go. Because that's what this church is about. So in a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to come. And if you need to repent from lying or you need, maybe there's something in your life that's just heavy and difficult. And you just need to cry out to God. That's what this is time is for. So as the worship team comes up, have you guys ever heard about Juneteenth? The Juneteenth celebration? Raise your hand if you've heard about that. Maybe like a couple people. I heard about this a few years ago, and this is remarkable to me because it's when Abraham Lincoln, President Lincoln, signed the Emancipation Declaration. It wasn't until two and a half years later. It was June 19th, 1865, that the residents of Texas 
actually heard the news that the slaves were freed. It took two and a half years. These poor people living in slavery, not even realizing they were free. And so here we are, brothers and sisters. This is why Paul's writing Ephesians. This is why God has you here this morning. It's because he wants you to know you're free. The world's going to tell you you're slaves. The world's going to tell you that you're slaves to fear. You're the product of evolution. There's not a God who cares about you and who has a, a hope and a life and a joy for you forever. God wants you to know you're no longer slaves. You're free. Life is yours. Heaven is yours. Not just someday when you die, but heaven is, is available now. Not in its fullness, of course, but it's already available. Heaven things like hope and peace and life and joy are ready and here for you now. So if you're somebody that's been beating up on yourself, you might have some repenting to do. If you're somebody that's been struggling with anger for years, God has something he wants to do in you. Let this morning be the new start. Let's pray together. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for freedom. Lord, I thank you, God, that you haven't left us where you found us, God or where we found you, but you have taken us into something so much more, something so much bigger. Lord, would you give us the courage to serve, this, the courage to say yes to you, the courage to respond. Lord, if there's anybody here who needs to have this time with you, just praying. Lord, I pray you give them the courage to step forward, to make that decision in the name of Jesus. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed. If that's you this morning, if you've got business to do with God, come on forward.
Lord God, in the name of Jesus, in his authority, I thank you, God, for all that you're doing in our lives, in the lives of each person here. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I pray that you would break the chains of resentment, of anger, Lord. Break the chains of fear and lying. Lord, would you fill us with the faith to love, follow, and obey you. Lord, let us be filled with you each day. God, give us the strength. Lord, I pray for those that are making decisions this morning. I ask in Jesus' name that you'd give them the strength and the grace to follow through today, tonight, and forevermore, Lord. Lord, let us live the life you've called us to. It's so much more. You've called us to freedom. You've called us to be heaven representatives in this hellish world. In the name of Jesus, give us the strength, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. In a moment, we're going to do the offering. And I, you know, you might be sitting here and like, why do we do this? Like, it's kind of weird. Like, why do churches want our money and things like this? We pass this plate why do we do it? Because it's one of the truest, most purest forms of worship. You know, when all is said and done, we think that we've earned all this money, right? We think that we've done it, we've pulled ourselves up by our bootstraps is a phrase that people use all the time. But the truth is, everything you and I have, God has given to us to allocate it according to his desire and his purposes, right? It's, we're stewards of this. It's not ours. Can you make your own heart beat? <laughs> no. We, we can't make our own hearts beat. God does that for us. And so what do we do in response? We give. If you're here this morning, we want to invite you to give out of grateful hearts out of generous hearts in fact if you're not excited and happy about what God's going to do in your life and through the money that you're about to give we ask that you just hold on to it we want we want God to be in it but that's why we're doing this it's because this is the way that we show God Lord we love you we believe in you we're trusting you and we want to serve you. And what we do with the money is we use it for the kingdom of heaven. As a church, that's what we're doing. Every penny goes to furthering the cause and the glory and the renown of who Jesus is. If that gets you excited, then that's why you should give. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on this time. Lord, as we worship you through giving, Lord... I ask that you would bless it. Lord, not for our sake, for your kingdom's sake. Lord, for the missionaries that are going to be supported through this, for the, the kingdom work, we ask that you would bless it, Lord. We ask for provision for us, Lord, as we give, um, that you would continue to provide. Lord, we trust that you will. It's your promise that you will supply all that we need according to your riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, it's in this faith and joy that we give.
and Lord, receive this. Lord, let it be a sweet smell to you this morning, we pray in Jesus' name.